The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's only public radio source that comes to you each and every week with tips, techniques, strategies, advice, and news about how to develop your own real estate investing business or portfolio. And today on Real Life Real Estate Investing, I have one of the most famous names in the real estate investing world. He is a 30-year veteran of the real estate business. He has completed over 2,000 deals during that time. He is the guru's guru, and he is here today to talk to us about the cash strategies that are working in real estate today. Joining us from his office in Jacksonville, Florida, is Mr. Ron Legrand. Ron, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi. So you got beautiful weather up there. Uh, it's uh, better than it was. <laughs> let's, just, let's just put it that way. Um, we, we changed from snow season to pothole slash rain season pretty much overnight but we are happy to not have it be 30 degrees below zero anymore um now ron uh you know a lot about real estate and it's really hard in what turns out to be like a 48 minute program to pick one thing out of that big basket that is your head and share it with listeners but the one thing that people seem to still, after the real estate bounce and everything that's gone on and all the education they get here, be most concerned about is how do I make cash? So if you don't mind, what I would like to focus on today is the strategies that you are seeing in the market all over the country with your students that are working most effectively to put checks in people's pockets. Does that sound good? Well, gosh, that's the first time <laughs> I've ever heard that. How do I actually make money? <laughs> uh huh. First, first okay. time in the last twenty minutes, or <laughs> yeah, give it big. All right, look, I have actually been doing this for thirty-two years now, and over three thousand deals, and still do six to twelve every single month. And it is true, times change, and sometimes techniques change, and. Over those long period of years with all of those deals, I've done a lot of the same things that most everyone does, including the wholesale deals, which you're so good at, and rehabbing and retailing and and all kinds of deals in residential and commercial. But I'll tell you today, Vina, about 80% of the money we make doing 6 to 12 deals a month are really in the uh, terms. My, my, we make most of our money with terms today. 
not necessarily buying houses from banks cheap, dealing with all of that stuff that goes along with that, and raising capital, all of the costly entanglements. It's all about uh, finding sellers, FISBOs, for sale by owners, as we call them, people who actually mostly live in their house or recently did, and finding the ones who are willing to create terms to make it easy for them to get out so that we can turn around and provide terms to our buyers to make it easy for them to get in. Because about 80% of the people out there looking for a house today to buy can't qualify at a bank. And that's even getting worse with the Dodd-Frank law that passed with more rules on the banks. So our whole business today is taking that 80% of the marketplace, most of which either have poor credit or some other issue keeping them from qualifying and, and putting them into a house of their own, if they can come up with a, enough down payment to satisfy our needs and uh, can afford the monthly payment. And then, of course, we, if they wish, we help them uh, get qualified over a period of a year or two or however what it takes. Uh, and, and they get to live in the house and call it their own and have a legal uh, binding contract so they feel like a homeowner because technically they are a homeowner in waiting. And we provide a huge service in that effect. Get sellers out quickly that, that want to get out quickly and get buyers in quickly as long as those buyers have something to work with. And we put a lot of houses back into the marketplace just like that by doing it a little differently than what most people think it's done. Mm-hmm. And, Ron, I want to take you on a trip down memory lane back to the oh. late 80s. Oh, gosh. When, uh, <laughs> well, because, you know, you, you're you, digging deep. Bro. You, 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 talk about, you talk about stuff like this and people say, oh, my gosh, that's, that's newfangled. I'm not sure about that. That doesn't sound like anything anybody's ever done in the history of the world. And the the truth is, everything in real estate that's old is new again, right? Yeah. And back in the back in the late '80s, the problem wasn't that there were these qualified mortgages and you had to jump through all these hoops to get financing. The problem was financing was fifteen or sixteen percent interest. You bet. And and people could not afford to live in the home that they wanted to afford because the payments were so high. And this yep. this and, and and people couldn't sell. Because their yep. their poor buyers couldn't buy properties, except the ones that figured out how to sell with owner financing, yep. and and what what we're doing here is we're coming back around to a market where there's a lot of demand for home ownership, and mm-hmm. not a lot of financing available for it, and filling that gap. And that's right. The, you know the way the way that people who stay in the real estate business for thirty years stay in the real estate business for thirty years is they look around and figure out what the demand is at the moment, and they fill it. You're exactly right. Some of the younger folks out there right now don't remember what we went through in the mid-'80s when they changed the uh, tax rules regarding real estate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It created a mess very similar to what we're in now. Not as deep, but a big mess. Properties were everywhere, and they had to create the RTC just to clean up the mess, and um, it was chaotic. Um, This is about the fifth cycle that I've been in since I've been in this thing for 32 years now. It's the worst one, but when most people are running away from the chaos, we're running toward it and just looking for solutions to help folks out and other folks in. That's really all we do. But land contracts are nothing new, and there's only two ways we're going to do this. In Ohio, we're either going to use a land contract or we're going to do a lease purchase. It's, it's really nothing new. It's just adapting it to the marketplace and, and creating situations where the, both buyer and seller can accept, you know, and that's 
that's not, there's nothing new about that. We were doing that back when I started. <laughs> and, I, and I probably shouldn't have given that away because you sound like such a genius when you, <laughs> when you say this stuff to people who, who are only used to ever hearing about, you know, landlording or, you know, buying properties with bank financing and rehabbing them or whatever. You, you know, you whip out something like this and like, oh, my gosh, you're so smart. Well, um, yeah, okay. I'm just old. <laughs> I am really smart. It's not that I've done this once before 20 years yeah. ago. <laughs> right. So but there's there's a lot we do today we didn't do then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Live and learn, perfect it. Right. Um, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we will dig a little bit more deeply into this cash making strategy with Mr. Ron Legrand. If you have a question for Ron about really any aspect of the real estate business, but particularly about buying and selling on lease option or land contract, give us a call at 877-772-9658 or send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Ron Legrand, star of Stage Screen and now Public Radio. We're talking about uh, cash strategies for 2014. And you can talk to Ron by calling 877-772-9658. Or you can email in your questions to askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V, like in Victor, E-N-A, at gmail.com. And, you know, Ron, the, um, you know, I say best cash strategies in 2014. It's been an interesting adventure to be in the real estate business over the past seven years. And in many ways, we feel like we've been whipsawed, you know, the bottom dropped out from under the market, there was no financing, and then there were all these great deals that could be grabbed up if you had the cash to do it. And now things seem to be coming around to where everybody, investors and home buyers included, are feeling comfortable that we're not going to see another great big drop in prices, uh, at least not in the very near future. So is that is that in any way driving this incredible desire of folks to get into homes of their own again? I don't know, Vina. I'm not um, an economist. I honestly just work in the market like it is. And in all my 32 years, I've never seen a year I couldn't buy all the houses I wanted and sell all the houses that I bought because there's never going to be an end of the need for home ownership. That's the American dream, home ownership. And the easier we can make it for people to get in the house, the easier it is for us to sell them. So um, that, that uh, what the economy does, honestly, I'm just going to flow with it. I, I can't control it. I don't know why things happen. I've got my opinions like everyone else. And, of course, mine are worth as much as everyone else, pretty much nothing. But, but uh, this much I do know. There's always, always going to be a business, no matter what happens. Remember, the interest rates were up. We were selling houses. The interest rates are down. We're selling them. Uh, market sideways, recession, we're selling houses. Um, people always need a place to live. And so we're just going to find those who need to get out and figure out a way to get them out. <laughs> uh, well said. Um, the let, Let's talk a little bit about the mechanisms that you're using to do this. So we'll get we'll okay. get to we'll get to the how do you find the buyers, how do you find the sellers thing in a moment. But you mentioned that lease options and land contracts are the primary mm-hmm. things that you're using to do this. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Uh probably best way to do an example maybe. 
Give me a price range of a house you want me to talk about. 150000 Okay. Let's say you've got a $150,000 house, meaning that's about what it would appraise for right now, in good shape, good area. Let's say you owe 130 on it. And you run an ad online that we respond to, and I have my virtual assistant call that ad, which is what we do. And that virtual assistant fills out a property information sheet. And we find out by asking one of the questions on there is that you'll be glad to sell the house for what you owe on it. You just need to get out of it because you want to get out of the debt for some reason. In this case, you're moving across the country to live with some relatives or whatever the case may be. And now you need to get rid of this house before you can go. On your $130,000 house, let's say you got a, you tell me, what do we want the payment to be on your house? Uh, $1,100? Sure. PITI, principal interest taxes and insurance? Yep. Okay. So you got a $1,100 payment you want to get rid of. You care less about that so-called equity because if a realtor sold it for you, they'd eat up most of it anyway, and that's assuming it sold for top retail price. Then you'd have some closing costs to pay, and before you know you'd wind up with pretty much a nothing. In the meantime, you're sitting here making this $1,100 payment. Okay, so have I painted the picture? Can you see the picture? You have. You need to get out. All right. Now we call you or you call me from our advertising, and we discover that uh, you're gladly sell it for what you owe. So I would say, well, listen, Mina, there's a couple things I can do. I can either buy your house with a land contract. I'll just pay you what you owe, and I'll make a payment equal to your payment until sometime in the future we get it paid off. And until then, you don't have to worry about the house. Just go. Or if you want, I'll at least purchase it from you for the remaining you know, the balance of your 130 at whatever time we paid off. That's our purchase price. I'll take over all the repair responsibilities, and and uh, sooner or later it's going to get cashed out. One of the one of those two you're going to be interested in, and I don't really don't care which one. I'll do whatever you feel more comfortable. You probably just want to sell it with a land contract because in Ohio that's pretty much the standard thing. So I have it under contract with you for 130, which is the current balance, and I'm simply going to go into the marketplace now and offer the property with no bank qualifying. If you agree to sell it with me on land contract, I can turn right around and sell it on a land contract. And, of course, I'm going to raise the price up to at least the market value. And somebody's going to bring me in ten to $15,000 down on this house because they don't have to go to a bank and qualify. If you, the seller, is ready to go within a few days after you're out of the house, I'm going to have a new buyer moving in. And we're going to use attorneys to close this transaction, do it properly, make sure everything is done correctly comply with the rules, and uh, seller get what the, gets what they want, buyer gets what they want. Except in this case, I'm probably going to sell it for about 150 155 get 10 or 15 down and stay in it. So I'm not only going to get me a nice cash flow up front, 10 or $15,000, but I'm also going to probably get maybe thirteen, fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars $1,500 a month out of it until my buyer gets refinanced and pays everybody off. And then, of course, when that happens, I get whatever there is left between what I am owed and what I owe out. That's a very, very simple transaction I just described, even though some of your listeners are out there asking themselves right now, what the heck is he talking about? (laughs) (laughs) But I just bought it with owner financing and sold it with owner financing in that case. Pretty simple. Well, chances are my listeners aren't wondering that, but there are folks out there who absolutely can't put that transaction together and that's the buyers and sellers themselves and that's that that's exactly uh the sort of the sort of question that folks have when they hear about these transactions why didn't the why didn't the guy who's moving across the country just sell it himself to this other guy for $150,000 there's two reasons 
number one, they don't know how, and number two, they don't want to do it even if they knew how. So, one of those two reasons. So, Ron, are you saying that, that my education as a real estate investor is what makes me money in this situation? Because I know nah, how to do it. you don't need any education. We'll just <laughs> plunder out there. Sooner or later, we'll, you know, we'll actually do something right. <laughs> After we do a bunch of things wrong and <laughs> mess, yeah, you, mess up some people's think, lives. Yep. If you think education is, is expensive, try ignorance, huh? <laughs> yes, and that's, that's a nice uh, segue, by the way, into... Uh, letting listeners know that uh, you are going to be here in Cincinnati on April the 26th doing an all-day seminar on exactly this topic and some other things are going to be thrown in there too but uh, it's hosted by Ohio Rio which is a nonprofit real estate association but it is open to anybody who wants to come and uh, well up until we get to the limit because if you remember we did this a little over a year ago and we had a room for 85 people and 110 showed up. And we're not doing that this year. <laughs> you have to be pre-registered this year. There's not going to be any any walking in <laughs> this year because it was, um, at least from the back of the room, uh, a little bit difficult to f- try and figure out where to s- seat all those people. So folks who are interested in more information about that event can go to oreaconvention.com that's o r e i a convention.com there is a lengthy uh, write up on all the different topics Ron will be covering as well as the opportunity to sign yourself up which you need to do earlier rather than later for a variety of reasons one of which is we probably won't have seats for you unless you do so Make plans to be here in Cincinnati on April the 26th. I want to remind listeners that uh, you can call with your questions for Ron at 877-772-9658. You can also email questions, if you like, to askvina at gmail.com. We're going to get to some listener questions right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and my guest today is Mr. Ron Legrand. I'm sure that's a voice that many of you recognize because he has been around a long, long time. And in fact, I uh, took the very first seminar I ever paid for from Ron. Now, I took a lot that I didn't actually, you know, write someone a check for. I taught them to myself, and they cost me more before that, but uh, that has been... That has been how long he has been around. Uh, Now, Ron, we have two separate listener questions, one from Tim in northwest Arkansas and one from Franco in Los Angeles, both about, guess what, the Dodd-Frank Act. So I'm just going to kind of combine them into one here because what they are both concerned about is what effect the Dodd-Frank Act is having on your lease option and land contract business. All right. Well, first of all, the Dodd-Frank doesn't have anything to do with lease options. Uh, as far as the land contract business, all we're doing is complying with the new rules. And there are a couple of rules that uh, you have to be aware of. And one is no balloons. So uh, honestly, we, we, there's exemptions. What you've got to do with the Dodd-Frank is make sure you stay exempt. And I mean, we're not going to get into that out on this show. But in reality, if you don't do more than three deals per entity, you're going to be exempt from Dodd-Frank. 
uh, you ought to take the time to actually learn the, the part of the law or read the part of the law that as it pertains to seller financing, which is about, you know, one minimum fraction of the 865 pages in the Dodd-Frank. I probably know as much about the law as Dodd or Frank. And uh, there's, no, there's nothing in there that will keep you from doing owner financing, but there are a couple things you, need, you have to learn and adapt to your business. Mainly just stay exempt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, I was actually uh, just looking for some specific information on that today, and I Googled Dodd-Frank for real estate investors, and now there's a whole bunch of information up online telling you what rules you need to follow. And, you know, basically there's not a whole lot there that you wouldn't do normally. Well, I'm going to do a mini Dodd-Frank seminar on the 26th, man. Oh, well, that'd be Uh, awesome. And we're bringing a report that you can take home to tell you everything you need to know about it as far as selling houses with owner financing. Cool. Excellent. Well, uh, if anybody has uh, any any questions about, uh, you know, buying houses or selling them on lease option, other than about the Dodd-Frank Act, not that that wasn't a perfectly legitimate question, guys, uh, 877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com is the way that you would uh, approach that. Now, I have an email here via Facebook, Ron, that is from Travis, who lives right here in the area. He says, I've always had a special interest in real estate investing. I've never stepped up to actually do it, just done some basic research. What steps would I, what, what steps would I take to be prepared to get started? Well, step one is come see me on the 26th if you're in the area. <laughs> That's also step two and three and four. <laughs> and by the time you get out of there, you'll know exactly what you need to do. But there's, there's, um, there's a systematic approach to doing houses like there is anything else. And in, in short, the five steps are to, to locate prospects. That's easy today. It's done for us by virtual assistance. Pre-screen those prospects, the ones that will work with us on terms, which is about a third of the prospects that we contact. And construct and present offers, which is pretty easy because once we collect the information, they're pretty much telling us you know, what the offer is. Sellers make us the offers. We accept them, deny them, or counter them. Four is just to follow up and uh, and uh, get it in writing, and five is to get it to a conclusion or close quickly. Uh, those five steps are 90% done by virtual assistance in our world today because everything we do is automated and systematic. And honestly, I'm sitting here talking to Vino on the phone right now. I don't spend two hours a month in my real estate business. It consists of one full-time guy running it and uh, two ladies, one buying and one selling, working with him to do six to 12 deals per month. And that's the beauty of real estate. You show me another business where we can have that small of an overhead. Uh, you know, I used to have a restaurant. We're not even going to go there. <laughs> note, note the key words, restaurant. I mean, used to. <laughs> yes, we can't go there, can we? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not going there. Compare that to real estate, there is no comparison. Almost no overhead. Your income is whatever you want to make of it. And you get big money in big chunks. It's a pretty unique business. And with little or no risk, because I'm I'm absolutely... Uh, uh, I do not want our folks to go out there and take risk. We've been there and done that. We don't write checks. We don't guarantee debt. Uh, we, we don't make promises we can't keep. We use attorneys. So we don't go out here and, and uh, blunder around, get ourselves in a mess, and and uh, tick off everybody we run across. So we just conduct business like it should be done. Get sellers out, get buyers in, uh, get everything in writing, and do it correctly. Okay. We have a question here. 
from David, who's in northeastern Ohio. He says, Ron, this all sounds really good, but I used to do lease options back before the market crash, and about 70% of the people that I, quote, sold the properties to never actually bought them. Are you having that same problem today? The answer is it depends on how you run your business. 70% of the people I sell lease option properties to don't buy them because I don't care. Uh, remember, every time somebody buys them, your golden goose dies, and you don't get any more monthly income, and, and your money tree stops. However, if I wanted to run my business uh, so that they would uh, cash me out, then I would put them in a credit repair program, which we have available, and I would work with them to help get a loan at the bank. So uh, if that, if you care, uh, you 70% of them will buy. If you don't care, 70% of them won't buy. You get to run the business the way you want to run it. When I get a chance, I'll show you why uh, I put houses into the marketplace uh, as is. I don't repair them anymore. I've kind of had my filler repairs, so we put them on what we call a work-for-equity program and let the tenant buyers do the work with their own money and their own labor and help them get a loan if they wish us to. But again, uh, the rate of return on these things is so high that uh, if they want to buy, fine. If they don't want to buy, I'm okay either way. Interesting position to be in. Yeah. Where if it works out, it's great, and if it doesn't work out, that's okay, too. Well, I've learned to make money the easy way in real estate, Vina. Time and age has taught me that because I've done it all the hard way. I've probably renovated 700 houses, and honestly, my renovation days are over. And, um, I mean, I teach it. I do it. But uh, that's not where the big money is in real estate today. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about the the strategy itself this uh this 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 lease option assignment thing that that you have termed the an acts d-l-a-c-t-s mm-hmm. um you know it, it went from never heard of it to everybody's talking about it in about an 18 month period around here mm-hmm. and uh one of the one of the issues that I think folks, uh, at least here in the immediate area, are struggling with is I, I'm not sure they understand what kind of property they're supposed to be going after. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of uh, deals that, let's say, are not like the ideal owner-occupant type neighborhood or price range. So, All right, can- well, let's talk about that because that is one of my favorite subjects, and you're correct. It takes a little while for uh, folks to absorb where that, what they should be doing. When I'm buying houses from banks, I'm going to be in the low end. Always have been, always will be, because that's where the deals are. When I'm doing pretty houses, working with Fizbo's, I want to be above the median price house. And in Cincinnati, that's $170,000 last time I checked. Frankly, I'd rather be in the three, four, five hundred million, two million dollar houses. So let's just play this game. In fact, let me just tell you about one we just closed yesterday. My guy uh, put one under contract. For uh, this was a free and clear house. Now, free and clear, the guy wanted four hundred thousand dollars for the house, but he would owner finance it. Owner finance it with a, uh, I think it was sixteen hundred and fifty dollar a month payment, and he would take five thousand dollars. And we made it very clear to him that you're asking full retail price for the house. So we're not going to buy it, but we will go find a buyer that we like, and then if you like him, we'll assign our contract from you to him. Thus the term ACTS, A-C-T-S, Assignment of Contracts and Term System. So let me recap. We put it under contract for 400000 with $5,000 down and $1,650 a month on the payment. We put it out into the marketplace with owner financing. 
we found a guy who would gladly pay 430000 for the house with $30,000 down and take over the position that we created at $1,650 a month, which is a low payment for a $400,000 house. That's 1650 principal and interest now. So what we did was create terms with the seller and assign those terms to an owner-occupant type buyer, knowing full well he's paying a little bit more than what it's worth, but did not care. It was after the terms. He was after the payment. Didn't care what the price was, as you'll discover they don't. So in that case, it was a free and clear house. I just assigned our contract. We netted $25,000. The buyer brought in thirty. dollars uh, The attorney took out five, gave it to the seller, and the buyer brought in an additional $500 for attorney's fees. So we had zero cost, zero money in it, zero credit, zero risk, and left with a check for $25,000 by simply creating terms and putting them into the marketplace. So, again, i got to ask you, how many of those do you need to do per month before your job doesn't mean that much anymore? <laughs> well, just one of those. But the, uh, the thing that I think a lot of real estate entrepreneurs have a hard time getting their brain around is they're used to doing lease options in the low-end bread-and-butter price ranges, $70,000, And that's a mistake. Houses. That's where all the problems are. Let me let me let me point out something here. What you do you know what your upper FHA loan limit is in Cincinnati area? Holy moly, no. <laughs> I'm guessing it's probably around the 250 mark, give or take. Would you think? I I'd guess well, yes. Let's say it's 250. Okay, here's something you guys ought to uh, hear. If I'm doing uh, low end stuff, rehabbing and so forth, and I'm one of these rehabber retailers, I better not get above that FHA uh, uh, price range, or I'm going to have a hard time because with FHA. The required down payment is only three and a half percent. However, let's say we get above that. Let's say it's two fifty. When you get above that two fifty, you tell me, uh, Mina. You know as well as I do. If I am squeaky clean, I'm going to need at least a ten percent down payment, and I mean I got to be clean. Agreed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Most likely, I'm going to need a twenty percent down payment. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's twenty percent down payment on a half a million dollar house? Even if I am qualified, Mm -hmm. I got to come up with a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. So then, so that's the people that can qualify. Now, what about all those folks that cannot qualify but still are running around with a bunch of money? I got that whole market to myself. So knowing that if I've got a half a million dollar house under contract, it's going to take uh, at least a 10 to 20% down payment if they're qualified. Just imagine how much fun I'm going to have offering this house out there with all the folks that aren't qualified and just see what the market will bring me. Mm-hmm. I learned a long time ago, the more dollars you waller in, the more stick to you. <laughs> and and it is a lot easier to get big down payments on the higher end houses than it is the low end crap in the in the marginal neighborhoods. I was just handed a note from my assistant saying that the FHA loan limit is two hundred seventy one thousand dollars. That was a pretty good guess that on the old guy's pretty, part. Then, wasn't pretty it? good guess. Pretty good guess. Yeah. Um, we need to take another quick break after which we will answer some more listener questions. If you have one, call eight seven 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 two nine six five eight, or send an email to askvina at gmail dot com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones Cox. My guest today is Ron Legrand, who's revving up for an all-day seminar here in Cincinnati on April 26th. And a lot of stuff going to be covered in that seminar that we don't get to cover in a 48-hour show. So 
You can check it out at oreaconvention.com. That's O-R-E-I-A convention.com. It's not not too terribly expensive to get into, and it's a it's a full day that sort of puts all of this stuff together. The you know how do you find these deals? How do you screen the folks? How do you do the virtual assistant thing? Ron mentioned um, you know a little bit about Dodd Frank. So a uh, lot lot more lot more time to put the pieces together in a one day seminar. Uh, Ron, we have a question here from Vincent, who is out of San Diego, California. Vincent says, I just wanted to inform you that I was told that here in California, you need a real estate license in order to rent properties up or manage them for other people. I assume that you would also need one to do this. You are correct, Vincent. If you rent them for other people, you do need a license. But I don't remember anywhere in this conversation we talked about renting them for other people. Do you, uh, Lena? No, no. But, no. but I think you probably ought to expand on that. All right. Well, um, listen, we do not go and find a tenant or a buyer for a house unless we have that con- house under contract to purchase or to option. And if you do any other than that, you would need a license. So we have a, a, an equitable interest in the property does not require a license. You need a license when you are performing services for other people. We are not. We're performing them for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good. And thank you for your question, Vincent. I'm sorry, I was just uh, reading a very long email from another listener that I am trying to sort of sort out. And while, while I'm doing that, Ron, um, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, these buyers, because uh, the question from uh, Mike in Northeastern Ohio uh, put me in mind of the fact that uh, these lease option buyers are very different people today than they were in 2006 when everyone who could fog a mirror could get a loan and the only people who wanted your lease options were sort of bottom of the barrel, you know, didn't have jobs, <laughs> didn't have money down sorts of people. Uh, so can can you talk a little bit more about uh, who who you're running into that wants to buy the deals from you and what their demographics look like these days? Well, first of all, based on the comment, I'm going to guess that uh, the problems you had back in 2006 because you were dealing with the low-end uh, part of the market, and those problems are always going to exist. Um, it's pretty rare when you're selling a two, three, four dollars $400,000 house and people call you and they don't have any money. And, uh, again, the higher you go up in the value of the houses, the more quality people you uh, call you, the more money they have, the more disposable income they have, and the more money they can get when they don't have enough. So, again, I'm dealing with the 80% of the marketplace that can't qualify. And I'll tell you, that don't make them bad people, and that don't make them broke people. That just means they've had some credit issue normally, and any credit issue you've had in the past can be cleaned up and fixed with given a few months so um, buyers coming in, and if they don't know that, we'll put them with somebody who can uh, help them do that. But it's really not about uh, trying to get them qualified for a loan because, honestly, most of the time we put them in the houses. We don't care if they qualify or not, and uh, we don't make any promises to anybody that they're going to qualify for a loan. And sometimes we give them uh, a long enough term to where uh, they don't even need to qualify. They can live in the house and equity uh, builds up in it, and many of the times we actually give them the benefit of the uh, debt pay down every every month so it's uh case by case but you're going to be surprised and how many people are out there running around with quite a big chunk of money when you can provide them a beautiful home that they don't have to go down to the bank and qualify to get into we're, we're even putting people in houses now being that they can qualify but i mean why wouldn't they want to work with us though 
they can get into the house, they totally control it, go get a loan when they feel like it. Hmm. But we can we can give them almost instant access. And then if they don't like the house, then no big deal. They just move out and they don't have that loan in their name to get rid of. No such thing as a bad market, right? Nope. <laughs> okay. Just, not, not a bad market, just bad mouthing the market. <laughs> let me let me try and summarize this uh, rather lengthy question we got here from Matt. Uh, basically, he is a guy who tried to get out of the rat race by buying rental properties. Oh. And he's been doing that for a while, and he's finding that that's not giving him the uh, results he wants as quick as he would like to see that happen. And he's wondering if if uh, doing something like Axe would be an option that would help him quit his job faster, and if so, how? All right. Well, Matt, first of all, I, I get you, man, because in the first two years in my business, I had over 200 rental properties. And I had one heck of a mess. Took me five years to fix. Uh, bought the wrong stuff, wrong place, wrong reason, wrong way. Rental properties today, to me, if they're single-family houses, to me, it's foolish to straight rent a single-family house. I will not put anybody in a house unless it's on a lease purchase for several reasons. Number one, I get several thousand dollars from them, which I can't do with a straight tenant. Number two, I pass all the responsibility for the repairs onto the tenant buyer as a condition of their option, clearly disclosed in their agreement signed in front of an attorney. So I have eliminated repair costs, and I'm collecting thousands of dollars plus the first month rent when I put them in the house. Now they're buyers. They're not tenants. That's a totally different business, totally different mindset. And when they do move out, they call and apologize because they can't buy the house. You don't get all these calls in the middle of the night about the toilets leaking and all that stuff. Well, when I learned that, my whole business changed. And then I'll tell you, Matt, uh, if, you, if I come see you on the 26, introduce yourself to me. And let me tell you, see what you got because I can't tell you how many businesses that I've helped turn around with them. Folks like you have a whole bunch of properties out there. The first thing I'd tell you to do is go back and see how many of your tenants you can turn into tenant buyers. And as they move out, lease option them back out. Don't straight rent them out. And even if you can't get down payments out of them as tenants, gosh, give them the option to buy if they just take on the responsibility for the repairs. As far as I'm concerned, why not? It's free. It don't cost you anything, but it gets the repairs off your back. So, um I'm glad you asked that question because I get that actually frequently. Landlording is like anything else. You do it right, you do it wrong. Usually the way you'd learn to do it right is do it wrong for quite a few years. <laughs> Isn't that right, Venus? <laughs> no, I'm huh? going to have to plead the fifth on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure yeah, and, you are. And, and, you know, there's, 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 there's a couple of different kinds of, of real estate folks out there and different kinds of listeners that listen to real life real estate. There's there's folks who, I mean, they they really do just want, a passive-ish income that they can, um, you know, build up some some wealth and equity for when they're retired, and they're not really interested in doing more than a couple of deals a year, and they're you know they're perfectly fine with the rental properties. But whenever I hear someone say I want to quit my job, and the way I'm trying to do that is by buying rentals, I I have to say y- you got to go for something that produces cash. Absolutely. Uh, look. I love properties that I can keep, but I also got into the flipper business and pretty much created it from scratch back in the early 80s because of the same reason, Matt. We got to have that spendable stuff. And this um, Axe deal came along, started because of uh, so many houses over leveraged, but it really morphed into 
uh, totally a, a, a term portion. By the way, we created this act two and a half years ago. That's why you guys haven't heard of it. And uh, this changed the rules all across America. Now people can go out and make quick money. I mean thousands, without all the costly entanglements, without the rehabs and the borrowing the money and the private lenders and all that stuff. In addition to that, some of those deals that we do, we want to stay in. I'm all about looking for the deals that I can stay in to produce me residual revenue, money coming in every single month that I don't have to work for with people in the houses that I don't have to worry about. And that's what I'm looking for. The axe deals are what we do only when we can't find those uh, the terms don't make any sense, the math don't make any sense, then we flip them out to an owner-occupant and collect our assignment fee and go on down the road. But a combination of both will get you out of your job very, very quickly. Question here from John in Nashville, and I'm going to guess John has met you or seen you speak at one at some point in time or another because the very first line of his email says, I know that Ron is going to take me over his knee for this. But I have to play devil's advocate and ask the question, what would happen if one of these lease option buyers destroyed the property and then moved out? It seems like all of your profit is wrapped up in the idea that it's a perfect house. If you have to go back in and fix it, does that mess the deal up? All right. Well, that's a good question that bothers people until they get out into the real world and they found out they worry too much. First of all, I've got several thousand dollars from this tenant buyer. Don't forget that. And these kind of people just don't tear up the houses. But if they did, and they could, but if they did, I'd lease option it out as is on a work for equity program to another tenant buyer and let them fix it. And, yes, I'd discount the price some. Uh, I mean, absolute worst case, you, you, you use the buyer's money to renovate the house. But I don't renovate houses, Matt. I'm telling you, I don't renovate them. Every once in a while, we'll do a little something to them. But most of the time, when we put people in them, it's as is, where is. And you'll be surprised how big the market is for that. When you make it easy for people to buy, the houses are easy to sell. Good shape or poor shape. All right. So, John, that's your taking over the knee. It just oh, no. doesn't just doesn't happen that much. No spankings today in in real life. Uh, Mike from doesn't say where he's from. Oh, Austin. He says my question for Ron is how to approach structuring these deals in a hot market like Austin. Bidding wars are normal when anything hits the MLS and pocket listings are common. Inventory is just plain low, except in war zones. Well, I hear that a lot. I heard that back in 2005 as well. And I'll tell you that the market that you hear about is hot, but there's an absolute endless number of people out there that are not getting their houses sold for cash through Realtors and were glad to uh, work with you on terms. And the way you find them is to either um, do something to get them to call you and or call the ads that they run and the signs they put in front of their houses, and you work with the ones who are willing to accept terms. And by the way, if you're going to do lease options in Texas now, you're going to need special Texas agreements. But you can do them in Texas, contrary to a lot of people's belief, and collect non-refundable deposits if you own the house. So you're going to have to either take title of the house uh, through uh, all-inclusive trust deed, which is, God, don't make me want to explain that one. I'm, I'm just hoping you know what that is. Uh, if you or live in Texas, you better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or take it over subject to, uh, and uh, or buy it, uh, buy it with some kind of owner financing or take it over subject to, or in some cases pay cash for them. And, but uh, 
you can do everything in Texas we can do outside of Texas. And hot market or not, there's always, always, always people who will work with you. I went up into Canada, into Alberta, talking about a hot market. Same thing. We didn't have any trouble finding deals up there. And, and Mike, let me take you over my knee for a second and say that the entire country is a hot market, not just Austin at the moment. And you got to stop listening to what the media's definition of a hot market is. The, yep. They're always only talking about MLS-listed properties. They're always only talking about deals where somebody's bringing cash to the table, theirs or somebody else's. Mm-hmm. They do not recognize and do not understand that while while that market out there of bank-owned properties that are disappearing in two days for full price and cash is completely different than the guy Ron's talking about who owes $135,000 on their $150,000 house and is, for practical purposes, upside down. Even if he even if he sells his house for $150,000, he's probably going to bring money to the closing if he puts it in MLS. So, and, to add, and to add to that, Vina, when you hear about these hot markets, it's usually hot pockets within any given city. The whole city of Austin is not hot. I mean, it is in the summer. <laughs> parts of Boston, like parts of most any other large city right now, are smoking. People, it's certain, like here where I'm sitting right here right now in the area where I'm sitting, uh, of, of my city in Jacksonville, Florida, some pockets are really hot. Can't even already, uh, you know, put them on the market, they're gone. But that's not the city. That's just pockets of the city. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and it's certain price ranges, too. And it's not the price yeah. range that Ron's talking about, the the place where we're seeing most uh, most properties sell really, really quick is the first-time homebuyer-type price ranges. Uh, and yes, private equity funds are having an effect on that. And you know, uh, rehabbers looking for properties to retail are looking having an effect on that. And, and first-time homebuyers are having an effect on that. But at least here in Cincinnati, I don't think the $400,000 houses are uh, dashing off the market at the speed at which the $120,000 houses are. The higher-priced so. house, the slower it's moving. So there you go, Mike. There's your, there's your spanking and your advice. And uh, we unfortunately are out of time today. But once again, you can check out oreaconvention.com. Uh, maybe show up at this one-day seminar that the nonprofit Ohio Real Estate Investors Association is sponsoring with, with Ron LeGrand on April 26th here in the Cincinnati area. Uh, Ron, we want to thank you so much for your wisdom today and your guidance and look forward to seeing you here on April the 26th and in the meantime Always a pleasure. in the meantime we will of course continue to uh, be here on real life real estate investing and in fact we will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing until then happy investing <music>